Jesus. Let me just lift your hand, just thank him just for a second. Just tell him thank you for wherever you're at in your life that he's brought you to. The power of thankfulness is huge. It brings restoration to healing. It brings restoration to healing. Remember those 10 lepers that came to Jesus and only one came back? And he thanked the Lord for what God did for him. The nine were healed. Only one was restored because of his thankfulness. Don't ever take what God's done for you for granted, even if he's just kept you alive to this point. Thankfulness restores the healing process that God gives us. Spirit of thankfulness. Thank you, God, for the hard times. Thank you for the wounds, the pain, the difficulties. Thank you for the good times. Thank you for the low times. Thank you for everything you've done for us because you've always been there and you've never left us. Though we've left you many times, God, you've never left us. And we thank you for being present. We thank you for being present in our circumstances, in our healings, in our joys, in our strengths, in our lows, in our highs. But you've never left us, God. That you're that kind of king and you're that kind of father. And we just worship you and we thank you. You are mindful of your people still. And what you've done in the past, you will continue to do in the future. And you will add to, you'll add to more than we can imagine if we just step out and believe and trust you. We thank you, Lord. All honor and glory and power and praise. There's one king, one king, his name's Jesus. His name's Jesus, and he loves us. He loves us so much. There's one king, one Lord, one Father, one great Holy Spirit. I appreciate you, Jesus, so much. Establish your work in these people so that your kingdom may be established in the hearts of those who haven't bound the knee. I appreciate you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Ah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you all so much. Every one of you guys. We're so blessed to have these guys help us. Don't I? Is everybody okay? If you have if you have kids and you want to send them to Sunday school, you can. If you want to keep them with you, you're more than welcome to do that too. Whatever you feel comfortable with, it's fine with us. I don't mind loud children. I have some people sometimes that uh, thank thank you so much that feel like those kids are a distraction in the back and stuff and talking and it's like, well, I'd rather have a screaming kid than a crying mother at a funeral, so we'll just do it that way. How's that sound? Right? Uh, Y'all okay? I'll be okay in a minute. Just give me a second. I love y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm glad y'all are here. I I'm, I'm, uh, appreciate you being here and tolerating me. I know I'm hard to deal with. My mom keeps telling me that. <laughs> y'all pray for her. She's still dealing with the consequences of my birth. <laughs> but it's her fault. <laughs> She wanted me here. I didn't ask to be here, so she got what she prayed for. That's what you'll always get more than what God gives you, and you just never know how that's going to work out. Be careful asking God for a blessing. Might come with a little bit of burden you didn't realize was there. Oh, 
Thank you for coming. I appreciate you guys. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some things that are on my heart that I was talking about last week. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to it, I want to invite you to do that. We, we live stream everything. It's on Facebook and YouTube, and it's also on our website, which is proclaimingjesus.com. You can go there, listen to any of the past messages. Um, if you missed one or whatever, if you miss because you're sick, you can, you can join us. You're welcome to join us. Um, and then you can fast forward the parts of my preaching you don't like. <laughs> And uh, we'll see how that works for you. But you can do it anyway. But I, I talked about the importance of mind renewal. Hey, Tanisha, how are you? And seen you in forever. Um, I didn't mean to call you. Actually, I did, but that's okay. Anyway, I've been talking about the importance of mind renewal because it's it's absolutely essential to Christianity. But most people feel like it's um, it's a uh, option. It's, it's it's something that's suggested if you have time at the end of your day. And that's how we kind of look at that scripture where it says, renew your mind. There's multiple ones that talk about that stuff. But um, an unrenewed mind is the devil's playground. Yes. Okay. And I don't mean in sin. In fact, most of the time, his greatest work in an unrenewed mind is in religion. It's in doing what you think is right. Whenever God's not interested in your right, he's interested in his. And so the great battle, the great difficulty is often letting go of what we know to be truth in exchange for the man who is truth. Does that make sense? So in the Old Testament, they had a hard time accepting God for who he was because he didn't fit their, the mold they had already created. And we have the same problem. With our mind, we create molds of God, and then we create religions out of those molds trying to get God to fit into them, and then we're frustrated when he doesn't answer our prayers, when, it's, when our prayers are not even for the kingdom that he came to, to establish. They're more for him to establish himself in the kingdom we're currently building. Does that make sense? That was a long statement. It should have been a comma in there somewhere. I want, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to pick up where I left off, but I want to... I my job is really simple, but it's super complicated. I'm trying to convince you that you already have what you're trying to get. The reason I have to do this is because many of us don't believe we have what we have, and so we're trying to create a religion to get what God's already given us because we don't feel worthy of what he's given us. Yeah, yeah. And so we feel like being worthy, feeling worthy of something will finally be the end result of us achieving what he already gave when it was there the entire time. Right. And so the only difference between us receiving what God has given us versus where we're at now is just one little simple thing called belief. Because what kept us from understanding what God gave us was the same power that gets us into what God gave us, which is belief. In other words, you spend a lot of time believing the lie. And you're so convinced of it in so many areas of your life that your natural response in tense situations isn't like Jesus. It's from something else because you haven't really re-established, you haven't reformed this part of you that's your responsibility. The gospel of grace is so powerful, but grace doesn't renew your mind. God's not going to do your job for you, and if you don't do that, you're going to have a hard time actually establishing yourself in the identity of who God made you to be and in the identity he naturally exists in without our help. God doesn't need our help to, to be God. He doesn't need our religion to make him look better. He doesn't really care about our religions. He cares about love. He cares about you loving yourself. And then you loving other people. And then loving him. Have you ever met, I just want to give you an example. Have you ever met somebody, let's just take a, a, a young lady, because that's the culture that we live in as far as what beauty is represented as. So have you ever taken a young lady who you see in there, she's just absolutely just beautiful and gorgeous, but she doesn't believe that she's pretty. She doesn't believe it. And no matter how much you tell her, she's not going to listen to you. See, she possesses the thing that she's trying to get. So what's she trying to do in order to get 
to where she feels like she actually is. She's got to go buy something else to be able to get her to believe what everybody's saying about her that she doesn't believe. See, unbelief creates consumer-based Christianity where you've got to go pursue and chase something else to be able to get what you want, even though you already have it. See, the lie is set up intentionally intentionally to keep you seeking after something you don't need to blind you from what you already have. If the devil can convince you what you that you don't have what you already have, then you're forced to go to him to get what you think you need. This is why you have completely, you know, insanely beautiful people in certain industries that still aren't happy with themselves. Why? Because the moment society realizes that they actually believe they're beautiful, they lose money because they won't buy the products needed to be able to make the money and to make the person beautiful. It's the same in the demonic realm. It's the same. Unbelief keeps you dependent upon a subferior system, an inferior system. It keeps you chasing the thing that you already possess. And while you're waiting on God to do something, he's waiting on you to believe something. This is why we like conferences and seminars, because we think, actually, we think that God actually does something at the conferences and seminars. No, all he's doing is waking you back up to the fact that you're still going to have to believe him for the thing he already gave you. But you just comatose yourself through the lies and the inferiority and the, and the doubt and the unbelief and the criticism and the self-hate and the fear and all that kind of stuff that he actually has to have. You go to a conference and a seminar to shake you well enough to have this stuff fall off of you. You feel his presence again, and, you're like, and God's like, maybe he'll believe this time. But see, if conferences and seminars keep you dependent upon them, they lose money if you leave. The beauty of mature Christianity is this. You actually come to a point in your life where you no longer need people. But you stay around them because you love them. See, mature Christians, they have this relationship with God where, I mean, mean, we need the the power of the body in the sense of, like, ministry and outreach and different gifts. But as far as me and my own personal relationship with Jesus, just me and him, I don't need you there. You get in the way if you're in my, my closet with me. But what happens in my closet is I believe who God made me to be, which makes me actually want to be with you. Whereas the carnal side of me doesn't want to be with you. So one of them needs to die. Yes. Right. Does this make sense to you? Yes. Okay. See, some of y'all think you believe some things, but you, you just mentally agree with them. Belief is a power. It's an adoption. It's an identity. It's an infusion. It's the power to bring the impossible into the practical. Constantly, daily, minute by minute. To believe God is to stand in the midst of everything that's telling you to quit. And you just smile at your enemy and go, everything you're doing to me right now is only to get me to buy something I already possess. No, thank you. How do you get there? You renew your mind. Amen. Do you know how I can tell a mature Christian from an immature one? <laughs> how fast they bounce back from sin they find themselves involved in. See, immature Christians will beat themselves up for weeks, months, sometimes years. A mature believer stands right back up and says, thank you for the blood, because this is what I was made for. And this thing that I just did is not me, and I do not identify with it. In fact, it's a lie, and it can go back to hell where it came from. And I'm just as righteous now as I was beforehand, not because of what I've done or not done, but because the blood that was shed for me 2,000 years ago is now in my bones. And shame just goes somewhere. Now, if you broke trust in your sin, then that's, you're going to have to rebuild that. That's a human element. It's not a divine element. You'll have to rebuild the trust. But on a divine element, you're free. 
but how many of you feel free right after you screw up? <laughs> Nobody. It's amazing. Devil's doing a really good job out there. I think we need to turn the tables around. Yes. Let's do it. So your faith is challenged when you're in the in the thick of your greatest sin. Why? Because what you what are you going to believe? The power of the blood or the power of your failure? That's the choice you have to make. Most of us believe the power of our failure. Why? Because the devil has set up for us in our minds some idea of what a future version of ourselves is supposed to look like, and we're not ever going to be good enough until we finally get to that place. Well, guess what? That's Disneyland. It doesn't exist. You created that idea of yourself. God did not. Therefore, it was never going to be achievable. You know what? Actually, God loves you right now where you are. Simple. Simple. But the carnal mind, its reflex is unforgiveness. The Adamic mind, the, the mind of Adam, the fallen nature of, of, of man, his reaction to all situations is unforgiveness, bitterness, blame, criticism, fear, lust, self-hate. These are byproducts of an Adamic thinking, an Adamic mindset. If you find these things in your mind or heart or feelings or emotions in any degree of situation, what you're being offered is the mind that Jesus died to kill. And if you take it, then you're resurrecting something that Jesus put to death, and that's rebellion. But it can be forgiven. I said last week that you were, you were custom-made in your new man to take abuse. You were custom-made. The new man is custom-made for the cross. It can't kill him. The new man cannot be killed. Do you, do you get that? The body can, but the new man cannot. He is eternal, which means technically you're invincible until God decides to take you home. Mm, no. You're invincible. But you just don't believe that. That's why fear comes in. Fear tries to say you're not invincible. You can't do it. You're ugly when you're actually really beautiful. See, most of the things that we call the devil in our life, it's us. I mean, literally, I think the devil sometimes going to God. It's like, it's not my fault. They, they, they did that one on their own. Well, the devil's really attacking me today, bro. No, that's your mind. That's your own fallen head that you haven't learned to get a hold of, and it's making you miserable. So what I keep saying over and over again. When you use a, a, your fallen mind against yourself... How bad does that actually feel? Bad. Pretty bad. Why? Because it's you using your own authority against yourself. Yeah. If I use my own authority against myself, I'm divided and I cannot stand. So how bad does it feel whenever you're under depression, which is just you using your authority against yourself? It feels really bad. Well, the degree of, of, of evil that it feels is the, is the same degree of your power you possess. In other words, the reason it feels so bad is because you're so powerful. <laughs> if you just put that on the devil, he'd actually feel that way. You think he's going to let you know that he's feeling bad because you're beating him? No. Your enemy's not going to show you that he's suffering and that you're beating him. Why? Because the moment he does, you're going to keep pouncing and punching and pushing. But if you actually saw what you were doing to him by the power of your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, you would get a little bit invigorated and stop being so depressed. So he, he's going to lie to you and tell you that you're doing no good, you're making no impact, you're not doing anything, your prayers don't mean nothing, God's not moving for you, this stuff's not happening for you. All the lies that the, that the mind of Christ simply says, you'll worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Powerful. It's amazing. Your emotions just change instantly. You feel so much better about it, situations. And peace comes back, and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. 
what if you die? Well, then, then I'm free. You know? What if you lose your home? Then I'll buy a tent. Somebody will take me in. Maybe not all of you, but somebody would. I ain't living with that guy. I don't blame you. It's hard living with myself sometimes. But the mind of Christ, the reflex of his mind is love. It's forgiveness. It's faith. It's humility. It's joy. You know when you begin to operate in Christ's mind because his peace is always accessible and nothing excites you anymore and things, they, they, they show themselves as an opportunity. And you turn what was meant for evil into good. Because all of a sudden the attack against your mind that was meant to tear you down is now causing you to worship your king. If you do that enough, the devil's going to probably quit and try to come at you a different way. But some of us haven't convinced him that we're going to worship. And he keeps working, so he just keeps hitting us with the same thing. If I'm attacking you and I keep doing something that works over and over and over again, do you think I'm going to try something else? No. No. Absolutely not. Did you ready to get to Romans 8? We're going to go to verse 8. It says, Those who identify with their old nature cannot please God. Do you realize the power of identity rests in you and in me and not in him? See, he established the identity. It's our job to come into it. And if you identify with the old man, if you identify with the false feelings, if you identify with the flesh, if you identify with the pain, if you identify with the betrayal, if you identify with the abandonment, then you're identifying with the Adamic nature. Because the nature of Jesus isn't abandoned. It's not betrayed. Even if it is, it can handle it and take it. The nature of Jesus can take the cross. He can take, he can look at his friends who are about to deny him and say, it's okay. I've already prayed for you. Your denial of me means nothing. My prayer for you in that denial means everything. See, the mind of Christ is more considerate of others than it is itself. It'll suffer for someone else so that someone else can reign. I mean, think about that. If you found out that all your friends and family had just turned you into the government to be completely crucified, how would you feel about that? The Adamic nature would feel offended and betrayed, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't have done that, and that's wrong. And There's a lot of things that shouldn't be done, like, like us killing Jesus. When you get the proper mindset, you realize I'm custom made for this, and they need my purity to invade their impurity. And the only way we're going to touch each other is if their pain touches me. Yeah, some people, so your enemies are so resistant to you that they won't touch you. They won't get around you. They won't, the only way you can actually influence them is for you to let them beat on you. And then they end up touching you. Oops. Shouldn't have done that. In the New Testament, the pure sanctifies the unpure. You shouldn't have beat on me. Because now Jesus is going to come get you. You see how that works? The change of mindset. You shouldn't have betrayed me because now God is going to come get you. Why? Because I'm praying for you. And every time you beat on me, I'm going to continue to love you and show you grace no matter how much it takes. The mind of Christ is simple, but it's so difficult sometimes. Not because it's difficult, but because we make it so. With me? Those who identify with their old nature cannot please God, but you do not identify with your old nature, but you identify with the Spirit, provided that the Spirit of God is living in you. For anyone who does not have the Spirit of the Messiah does not belong to Him. Do you have the Spirit of the Messiah inside of you? Do I need to preach a salvation message? Okay, all right. If, if, if Messiah is in you, then you belong to who? Jesus. Jesus protects what he owns. Yes. But Jesus will not force what he owns to bow to him. Yes. 
So if you want to leave and go bow to the spirit of depression and unbelief and doubt and criticism and hate and anger and violence, then he'll let you do that. You know why he'll let you do that? Because that thing is better. It will do a better job of convincing you uh, to, to return to him than he will. It's true. I know a lot of churches and pastors that try to keep all everybody from doing wrong. You know, try to keep people from sinning. I'm like, you know, go have it. You'll come back. Or you'll go somewhere else and you'll find a place. Either way, you'll find Jesus again. Why? Because that darkness will completely hollow you out until there's nothing left inside of you but depression and doubt. And you will call out to the king. You will. Sin has a powerful work in rebellious people. So let it have its work. Just don't let it have its work in you. Amen? Amen. Okay. See, the mind can reject the identity God gave us. Your mindset can reject the identity God gave you. It take, I have like 16, 17 messages on sonship on the website and on, on faith. If you haven't listened to them, you need to listen to them. What I've found that when I start preaching identity to people, I go from Genesis to Revelation proving that the entire plan and point of God wasn't just salvation. It was the restoration of his family. Salvation was the only way he could do that. But God's, the simple story of the Bible, God was lonely. He made a family. He lost a family. He redeemed a family. And now he's trying to get that family to believe in the redemption. Simple. So I tell you, I take you from Genesis to Revelation, but what I've found is when I preach these messages, it usually takes two years for people to finally wake up and go, oh, I'm a son. Wow. When they could have got it the first message. Because it takes time for their mind to go, ah, mm, I don't feel like one. I'm not acting like one. What's wrong with me? And then the whole focus goes into what they don't have, what's wrong with them instead of what they do have and who is for them. It takes people a long time to switch their brain around to where they finally realize, wait a minute, God's not against me. If he was against you guys, trust me, you'd be dead by now. Yep. The fact that you're sitting here means he's for you. See, the unrenewed mind is only conscious on what it's done or what others have done to him. The unrenewed, the Adamic nature can only process the pain that they've done to themselves or others or what others have done to them. The renewed mind can only process how the pain will turn to resurrection and that they are blessed by being able to suffer for Christ the way he suffered for us. See, you got to understand this. I say this. You are God's agent of purity for those who are impure. He placed you here not to have a polished sense of your own morality, but so that through you, they can actually be touched by something that's pure because they're sucking down the straw of the demonic daily. And the moment they touch you, they're like, something's different about you. Yeah. Yeah. I used to suffer from the same thing that you suffer from. What is that? Self-hate. There's only two ways to go. Pride or self-hate. That's the only two options for the Adamic nature. You ain't got to be a prophet to figure that out. Once you look at people, you can figure out which one they're in pretty easily. Self-hate people are always apologizing, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and they're like a whip puppy walking around, and they never feel confident of anything. They got their chin to their chest all the time. They don't feel like they can ever do anything. They don't feel valuable. Well, I don't, I'm not, not going to do that because I'm going to screw it up. I'm not called to ministry because I'll just mess it up. Or you got the arrogant people who are fully of, of religion, and they won't listen to absolutely anything, and they're always, you know, just, 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 <laughs> well, brother, I just, you just got to believe God, brother. Oh, I've been trying, brother. <laughs> See, the, the, the Christ-like mind is able to bring life to every situation. The mind of Christ has full access to wisdom. The wisdom of God is the plan of God for our moment. It's the ability to think like God in the building of our current situation and circumstance. And wisdom always operates in the mind of Christ. 
whether it's being attacked or whether it's defending or whether it's building, the wisdom of God operates through the sons of God. And we need wisdom. Wisdom and show me a coin. Wisdom and, you know, giving that right response to those people who are in sin, who are people who are in rebellion. I remember praying one time. I've been praying for years. I always pray for wisdom because you should. There's only a few things in the Bible you don't naturally possess by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and wisdom's one of them. Right. So you got to pray for that. Everything else, you really, most everything else you don't have to pray for, you possess it, you just don't believe you have it. But I always pray for wisdom. I ask God to, to give me wisdom. And I was, I was ministering one day, and I came across an atheist. And I'd never thought about this before. I use it all the time now, but, I mean, it just came out of me. And I was talking to this person, like, well, I don't believe in God. And I said, that's okay. He believes in you. And he just looked at me like, what? I didn't speechless. It's amazing. Like somebody cut their tongue out and dangled it from him. Like, say something, say something. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Wisdom will give you what you need because you're, you're touching something that's impure. And they need purity. People need, man, people freaking need peace. Yes. But how, how in the world are we going to give that if we don't have that ourselves? Yes. We don't have it. But we have it, but we don't use it because we're, we're convincing ourselves of something else. It's amazing. Once you start getting your mind back in, in, in posture and making your life obey Jesus, what happens? Your just peace just comes back on you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's not going to rest on flesh. He'll rest on the nature of Christ, but he's not going to. If you choose to go to that other direction, Holy Spirit, he doesn't, he doesn't leave from within you, but he lifts from, from upon you. And if you have a theological problem with that, come tonight and we'll discuss it. <laughs> See, that's wisdom. I think. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe that's a dumb thing to say. All right. Uh, Romans twelve, go to Romans twelve, verse one. He says, I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. See, our bodies follow our mindsets. We th okay, so what happens? Here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. When you when, uh, a thought comes, and if we don't arrest that thought, then eventually what happens is we give in to that thought by action. Yep. Okay? Once you give in to that thought by action, no matter what it is, once you give in to that thought by action, your body begins to, to live and move and have its being underneath that authority and power. The more your body lives and moves and has its being under that authority and power, the more it shapes your mindset to continue to do the same. So it's literally this cycle. The thought comes, the body begins to live in it. The body actually begins to establish the thought that originally came to bring the intention. And so it makes this vicious cycle that people seem to can't get out of all the time. So the body conditions the mind even more than the mind conditions the body. See, the, 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 the life that we live begins to poison the mindset. Even though the mindset started the, the ignition of the whole point, what happens is, is that the mindset gets deeper because of the uh, rebellion of the body. And it begins to convince the mind of where it's doing and how it's living and, what, and what's going on. You with me? It's almost like it's, it, you can take a drug abuse and somebody gets a temptation, whether it's from friends or peer pressure or whatever, to, 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 to try this one thing. It comes in mentally. It's pretty weak. But as soon as the body gives structure to that temptation, and begins to pour itself into that thing, then the mindset starts to get twisted. And the more the body involves itself, the physical man involves itself by choice into something that's opposed from God, the mind becomes more opposed to God. Which is why it's difficult to get those people actually renewed in their heads because they've spent so many years conditioning their brains to do something and think something that is against God, even though it seems right, whether it's self-mutilization or whatever it might be, to get them to that point where they finally break that mindset to get the body back under control. The same thing happens with religion. You get trained for certain things for years and years and years and years and years, and you begin to operate in those things, and then pretty soon you realize, man, I'm, I don't feel very alive. Like something's wrong. And it's almost like a drug addict hitting bottom, and they start crying out to God, like, God, oh, if this is all there is to you, I don't want it. I did that at one point in my life. I was raised in church. I understand what it's like. I, I've been in Egypt. I know what, I know what it feels like. 
I know a way out. When you serve in Pharaoh's house, you know all the nooks and crannies and hiding places. And you know where to go get people and bring them out of that thought process and say, hey, there's an exodus coming. You want to come with me? Because I know the way out. And if they'll just follow you for a minute, they'll be okay. I didn't say me. I said you. If they'll just follow you for a minute, they'll be okay. See, contrary to popular belief, it's not the pastor's job to save the world. It's yours. I help you disciple who you bring to Jesus. Yes. You have the bigger responsibility, not me. Okay. My job's simple, but difficult. I'm trying to get you to believe what you already have. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Why? When you present your body as a living sacrifice the same way Jesus did, you're expressing the fullness of the mind of Christ. What was the mind of Christ? To suffer for people who weren't worth suffering, who weren't worth suffering for. Right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? That every man would consider the needs or, the, or, or consider his brother more than he considers himself. This is the mind of Christ, that you consider other people more than you consider yourself. That's the mind of Jesus. It's the mind of a God. The God. When you present your body as a living sacrifice, something happens in your brain. Your brain is now forced to change directions because you forced your body to change directions. Brother, that's worse. No, that's obedience. Religion confuses the two. Don't let the devil blur the lines between obedience and works. Works are so because you're trying to do something to get something. Obedience is doing something because you possess the something that the other person's trying to get. I say it all the time. Christianity pursues the things that sons naturally possess. I don't need to pursue righteousness. I need to pursue the kingdom of God. Yes. Do you realize how much God has given to us? The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that the armor of God is the armor of who? It's, it's, it's whose armor? Uh, Why does it fit you then? Because we're his kids. You get to wear the armor of, of a king. <laughs> You're dressing like a god. Are you one? No, you're not. But you get to wear his clothes. He gave you his own armor. Why does it fit? I don't know, but it does. The helmet of salvation, protecting the mind, right? He gave you his mind. It says you. It says we have the what? You have the mind of a god. Are you a god? No, but you have his mind. I, don't argue with me. He, he's the one that gave it to you. Don't, don't make this like my fault because I'm the messenger. Like if you have a real spiritual problem with this, I apologize for it to you. But I'm not the guy who said it. Right? You with me? Yes. So you, you have a mind of a king. You have the armor of a king. Yes. You have the blood of a God running through your, your spiritual veins. The Bible says that you were born again by not, by not corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. That's what the Bible says. You know what that word seed literally means? Sperm. It literally means sperm, which means you were born from the DNA of God. You have the blood of a king, the, the armor of a king, and the mind of a king. Why are we always defeated? Because we don't have, we haven't yet used our faith like a king. Because we're results oriented. We think if we use our faith and it doesn't work that we failed. No. If you use your faith and it doesn't work, that's the point of faith. Looking at something that doesn't work and still standing. You just haven't changed your mind enough to realize that. Why didn't it work? Who says it didn't? Well, it didn't happen. What's the goal of faith? To stand when it's not working. The problem is that the Adamic mind expects it to happen now 
Right. When we're talking about the mind of faith, we have to go back to Abraham. True or not? He's the father of? How long did he have to wait for his promise? 20 years for one son. How many sons were he promised? He's still waiting. Who? On who? You. Who says it didn't work? Because you didn't see it right now? The Adamic mind says God has to pay up right now. The, 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 the mind of Christ says God already paid up 2,000 years ago. Amen. It doesn't matter what I see. It's my responsibility to stand on what he said. And if it kills me, I'll get the same reward of faith. While the rest of the people on the earth are going, well, brother, he just didn't have enough faith. God's looking at him and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your crown for your healing. You did not get on the earth because I'm giving it to you here. Just as Abraham receives his sons now in perpetuity for everyone who dies and the promise is still being fulfilled and he's still receiving the fullness of what God promised him. So we will too in the end. Constant people, constant sacrifices, constant connections of things that have happened in this earth that we sowed into that went so far beyond our reach we don't even know we had a problem or a connection to it and somebody comes up and says because you preached to so and so that one time and they preached to so and so and they preached to so and so and they preached and they preached that's why I'm here now. And then the rest of the world say it didn't work. See, the mind of a son doesn't look, like, look at what doesn't work. They look at what's, it's what's standing on what's said, regardless of whether it works or not. That's why people, you don't know the shape of my marriage. I don't care. Right? <laughs> You think all of a sudden by you telling me that it renders God absolutely powerless and he can't move in your situation? Like that's what people come like. And then they come to me and they're like, oh, well, I'm doing everything right. No, if you were doing everything right, your situation wouldn't be what you wouldn't feel about what it is. What do I need to do? You need to stand there and take this and believe for a minute. Well, I've been believing for two years. We'll do it for 20 and come back and talk to me. Amen. That's too long. What are you going to do in the meantime? Play Nintendo? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to wait, you might as well wait on something. If Jesus tarries, you're going to live the life anyway. You with me? Yes. You might as well wait with him instead of on him. Yes. See, some of the things that I'm seeing right in my life right now, I prayed for 20 years ago. Wow. A lot of things that I'm seeing in my life right now, I wanted them 20 years ago. Did I get them 20 years ago? No. But I'm just now seeing them. Why? Sometimes God doesn't give you what you think you want because he wants to see if you're going to stick with him long enough for him to trust you with what you're asking for. Yeah. Because sometimes the things you're asking for cost so much and they're so powerful and they're so vulnerable and they make people so vulnerable that he's got to develop your character before he's going to give you what you think you need. Because otherwise the gift will outweigh your character and it will crush you and he'll lose you. He'd rather, he'd rather not give you the thing you're asking for and keep you to himself than to give you what you're asking for and have it be your, your ruin. That's a good daddy. Yes. Well, how does my character need to be developed by renewing your mind? Do you realize if you're doing this thing correctly, there will not be one day that you live that you won't have a battle in this arena? Not one day. There will always be something that pops up from somebody, someone, yourself, that they shouldn't have done, this shouldn't have happened, they should have done this, they should have done that, they said this, they should have said that. They, all these shoulda, woulda, couldas are going to sit there and just present themselves to you constantly. And you need to get to the point where you're in your life, you just stand there and smile at them. Why isn't he moving? I don't know. Hit him again. He's not moving. Hit him again. He's not moving. She's not moving. Hmm. I'll tell you a little story. It's a true story. I may have some of y'all may have heard it before, but this there was, a, there was a lady who was married to a, a turd. not a good man. He cheated on her and was in the bar every night spending all their money. And this went on for years. 
he'd come home two, three, four in the morning, different hours of the night. As soon as he'd come home, she'd get up, get out of bed, cook him breakfast, and serve him. And this went on and went on and went on. And she never said anything about it. She just went back to bed. One day he's in the bar and he's bragging around to some of the people that he's talking to. And he's like, hey, I got this wife and you're never going to believe what happens when I come home. So he comes home. He said, said, what? He says, well, if I I bring all of you guys home right now, it's two in the morning. She'll cook breakfast for everyone of you. And she'll serve us and feed us all. And these guys were like, there's no way. There's no way. It's not going to happen. No woman like, no one, there's no woman in the world that would do that. Right? And so he says, no, come home. So he brings them all home. Sure enough, she gets there. And then these guys get up, and they walk in the door, and she starts cooking her breakfast. And they're sitting there with their mouths wide open, just flabbergasted, like, what in the world? And they, they eat, and she makes them coffee, and she asks if she, they need anything else. And finally, one of them had the nerve to stand up and go, ma'am, why, why are you doing this? Why are you so good to this husband of yours? He's, he's terrible. And she said, oh, it's real simple. She said, my husband's going to spend eternity in hell. It's my responsibility to give him the only heaven he can have on this earth. what two weeks later he comes crawling in crying begging for forgiveness got saved quit drinking and became a man of God why because somebody proved to them what was right and wrong and some nagging woman trying to be manipulative and telling everybody what's wrong and well you don't understand my husband and he's this and he no the mind of Christ the mind of Christ. See, you guys think the solution's in who's right and who's wrong, but when you get caught in who's right and who's wrong, you lose the ability to give life. That's, yeah, that's right. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You realize that this world is pre-programmed to completely renovate your head. You just watch a little bit of TV, a little bit of the internet, and it's bam, everything you don't have that you need. You gotta have this, you gotta have that, you gotta have this, you gotta have that. Every generation's the same. Just looks different a little bit. I I chuckle. I've been alive long enough to see fads, dress fads come and go. And these young kids think they're so cool doing this stuff. And it's like, no, we did that once too. Nobody cared. (laughs) (laughs) This little hipster thing going on. Well, one day hipsters live long enough. They're going to be the grandpas and grandmas. And then next generation is going to make fun of them for their funky clothes and cute hats. And look at that grandma over there. She thinks she's, she's stuck back in the 2000s. <laughs> no, it'll happen. Why? Because everybody's trying to be something that's accepted. We all want to be accepted because we have this fallen head. The mind of Christ says, you're already accepted. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to dress right. You don't have to look right. Just be with me. It's simple, guys. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to this. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I want to prove to you here in the next few weeks, if the Lord allows, that it's impossible to know the will of God without the mind of Christ. Adamic nature cannot understand the will of God. It was the Adamic nature that didn't understand the coming of Jesus and thereby killed him. The Adamic mindset cannot understand the purposes and principles of God. It doesn't understand sacrificing yourself 
It only understands self-preservation. And until you come into a living sacrifice where you know that you are God's agent of sacrifice for somebody else, you're never going to have a full, complete, complete grasp on the will of God for your life. Because the will of God for your life isn't to be blessed and rich. And if that actually happens, it's to be poured out for somebody else's financial need. It's always for somebody else. The will of God is to be a sacrifice for other people. And if everybody comes into that mindset, there is no need. Why? Because every joint supplies, every joint sacrifices for one another. Every joint puts itself behind and bears the pain of the load so that it can keep moving forward. It's impossible to know the will of God without the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is centered around the betterment of the person sitting next to you and not how you're right and they're wrong. Religion gets drunk on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Make sense? Yes. Simple, guys, but very difficult. I have people come to me and they're like, man, I'm trying, I'm trying. I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm like, you've been, you've only been at it for six months. You spent 35, 38, 50 years developing this carnal thinking. Do you think you're going to fix it in one evening? It's not going to happen. But we live in this Instapot society where we want it right now. There's not going to be a spiritual invention that somebody can clamp onto your head and renew your thoughts. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd invest. I would be the first one in line. But it's taken me 25 years of changing this thing to get where I'm at today. I've conditioned myself now in my life to where when I walk past the need, whether it's in somebody's life or in my house or my, my, my farm or my ministry or my business, and I look at what I don't have, the moment because there's, there's always those things shouting to you, what you don't have, what isn't done, what isn't fixed, what isn't done, and, and, and you can get stressed out. Right? That's where anxiety comes from. It's just an unre- unrenewed mind, period. And then when you try to medicate that, you can't medicate that. All that's doing is dumbing down the host. That's all it's doing. Yeah. It's just stress comes from an unrenewed mind. So you know what I've trained myself to do? Every time I see something that I don't have, I thank God for what I do. Every time. I look at the dilapidated monstrosity of something on my property and the money that's not there to fix it, and I start thanking God for everything I do have. I don't thank Him for that being fixed. That's not in His will. I'm not going to stress over that. Thank you for what you've given me. I thank you, God, that the mind of, 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 of Adam is trying to rise up inside of me and make me look at what I don't have, which is really an assault on God's character. Yeah. All it is saying is you don't love me enough to do this for me while we're ignoring everything he has done. You don't love me enough to fix my situation. What about everything else he's done for you? I mean, I mean, guys, guys, think about it. I know this goes without saying. It's like trying to tell the kids when they're young, well, there's a starving people in Africa. Eat the broccoli, you know. But (laughs) there's a lot of people we could take you to right now, and they would trade places with you in a moment. You're not in a hospital bed with IVs stuck in your arm and a nasal cannula pumping six liters of oxygen into your body because you're dying. (coughs) I mean, God's blessed you. We're here. We're, we're alive. He's for us. We need to think about the things that we have that he's given us. Whatever is pure and holy and just, what? Think about these things. Bible, and I haven't got to it yet. Now, maybe I'll get to it next week or the week after, because next week we have the conference. We need to, we need to think about the things God has given us. These, we, th- we think about these things. That's how you renew your mind. But the devil's always going to sit there and tell you, well, you don't, but, but it's not working because you don't have it. Listen, guys, man, I don't know who lied to you. It wasn't me. This stuff takes time. You've got to stay in this for a while. But I promise you, it works. It works. 
often you think, well, that's too simple. It's not, it's, no, it's, it's obedience. Obedience is never simple. It's powerful. You with me? If God asks you to do something, it's not a simple task. It's something that's going to cost you everything, but within that cost is the value of that sacrifice. When God asks you to do something, it's not works. It's not the obedience of it postures God to actually be present in your moment, whereas the rebellion keeps him from the moment. Therefore, your moment actually creates itself to be even worse. That's what the devil wants you to think. It's, it's, it's too simple. That's not the, the gospel's simple. Walking it out will cost you everything. But when you begin to rehabilitate this thing, everything around you changes. And I said this last week, for those of you who weren't here, you have to understand that the, when you renew your mind is not in your prayer closet. When you're in your prayer closet, that's when you store up the scriptures that you're going to need when the battle comes. The actual ignition point of the renewal of the mind happens in the flash heat of the moment where you literally consciously hold everything back and say, I'm going to act differently. Yeah. See, the, the spiritual people, the sloppy agape spiritual people, the ooh people, they don't like that because they want the Holy Spirit just to take charge of them. No, the Holy Spirit's a helper. You ever read that in the Bible? He's a paraclete. <laughs> He's a helper. He's not the leader. We lead. He backs us up. That's sacrilegious. No, take it up with God. God gave Adam the world, and he said, you go and multiply and replicate. Not me. You do it. Jesus redeemed everything, came back and said, go into all nations. Replicate what I've done with you. Is that his responsibility or ours? Ours. Ours. He says, I'm going to send you a helper to do what? Exactly that. So we think the Holy Spirit's just going to naturally overshadow us and make us love our husbands. No. Not going to happen. When your husband's being a jerk, you stop and you say, thank you, God, that I'm custom made for this abuse and my purity will sanctify his ignorance. Or vice versa. See, in our culture, it's easier to pick on the men, right? It happens in the flashpoint. And you're expecting this great superpower to take you over. No, you choose to do right, and then he backs you up. And then all of a sudden, you start feeling love for somebody you just felt we were pretty angry at a minute ago. And you're like, wow, this is easier. But then you're expecting them to change, and they don't. And then the devil offers, see, you did right, and they still are doing wrong, see? And that's the temptation to get your eyes back on the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil again. Don't think... That because you obeyed, God owes you something. You obey whether he pays or not. And in the long run, you will win. You with me? Yes. Uh, this is going to be a long series. I only got through three verses. <laughs> Y'all please stand. Listen, I'm, I'm trying to help you. We can pray for you and lay hands on you and God can move in your life. You can go somewhere else and people can do that and God can move in your life. But the only thing that's going to change in the long term issue of your life is you doing this mind renewal. Otherwise, what you're going to become is basically a spirit addicted saint where your only reference to following Jesus comes to going to a place where you can feel him and you get addicted to his presence without ever changing. And you, have, you constantly are in need for somebody else to pray you out of your situation and constantly praying out of your situation because you keep going back to it because you're not renewing your brain. And God will continually touch you and touch you and touch you and touch you over and over because he's just good. But then what happens is that when, even when that happens, you create this mindset in your mind that that's right. That following Jesus is just going to a good church where the Spirit of God moves. And God touches me, and I feel better, but then Monday I'm, I'm back. In, but I'll go back Sunday, and it's a good church, and I'm going to go back. And God's moving there. See, that can condition your mind to, to, to think about something in a way that's not actually real. You bear a responsibility every time God touches your heart. You bear a responsibility to carry out what God's putting in. Right? Jesus invested his life into these disciples. 
And he said, now it's your turn to go carry what I've done in you to somebody else. Your responsibility, my responsibility. With me? It's, it's, it's hard, I know, but in a minute it gets easier. Some of you guys have been a long time in your head and you just you need to kind of let it go because it's not helping you. You need to put on your mirror. I'm born of the blood of a God. I have the mind of a God. I have the armor of a God. Not a God, the one and only. Man, you're his favorite. You just don't believe your heart. One day you're going to wake up and go, I'm God's favorite. You know, that's arrogant. No, that's confident. I believe you're his favorite. You just got to believe it. So, Father, we thank you for your mind that you've given us. And we ask you to forgive us for not utilizing it. And, Father, we thank you that your forgiveness reigns supreme over us in every area of our life where we didn't renew our mind because it was a command. It was a command, not a suggestion. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus. So, Father, we ask you to forgive us for letting our minds run like wild horses through this, the mind of, of religion and sin. Accept the responsibility of the Holy Spirit in, in obeying you in this, and we also understand that we were made good enough in Christ. We were made good enough in Christ that He wouldn't have called us and placed us where we are if He didn't believe in the authority He gave us. So help us renew our minds, God. Help us to walk in a way that's pleasing to you and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice for one another. Encourage your people here in this place, Father. Cause them to walk in such a way that it's pleasing to you by faith. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. You are awesome. Your people are awesome. And God, I pray this spirit of shame and, and unbelief just falls off your people. Spirit of performance and religion and fear. And that they would just begin to see themselves the way you see them. Pure, holy, righteous, beautiful, powerful. And just because we're weak doesn't mean we aren't strong. Because it's the mind of Christ that understands that weakness is a strength. So bless your people, Father. Thank you for them. Cause them to walk in truth and life laying down the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I bless them. I thank you, Father. Continue your work and bring us back safely if your will permits it. In Jesus' name, amen.